Church, it's good to have you with us today. We're going to be speaking about the heart, continuing on uh, similar to the message of last week. We talked about the four types of soil, and we'll unpack that a little bit more this week. But today, I want to talk about the heart, the heart being the deepest part of mankind, this place where our belief comes from. And last week, as we looked about the par- as we looked at the parable of soils, we we discovered some things that the heart. It's very critical to to know where your heart is and where it lies with Christ and in Christ today. So important. Uh, there's so many voices and so many things trying to get our hearts' attention. There's so many things today. So many voices uh, from politicians to uh, medical doctors to who do we listen to? Who do we believe today? The COVID nineteen is is among us. Uh, Amarillo is a hot spot right now. And so that brings a lot of uncertainty in some areas. Where does our true north come from? Well, I'm telling you, you should be deeply grounded in your faith and you've got to protect that faith in your heart. There's an interesting passage of scripture. It's found in John chapter six, where the disciples come to Jesus and they simply ask this question. They ask this question, what are the works of God that we should do then? That's a great question. What are the works of God that we should do them? And Jesus, he has this incredible answer because Jesus just jumps out there and he says, here are the works of God that you believe in the one whom he has sent. That tells me that there is some work to our belief. There's, there's some protecting of the good soil. We've got to protect the garden within us, the garden of truth that is within us. It means that we keep, in order to keep our belief, that we've got to somewhat work at it. Everything in this world is attempting to get you to believe in something or someone different. It is work. It is learning to protect the belief about Jesus deep within our heart because that's not easy. When you think about Jesus, there's a lot of things that go through our minds just at the mentioned name of Christ. Right, we we know that Jesus did ministry on this earth two thousand years ago for basically three years. That he was baptized, he was raised up out of the water. The Lord said, "This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased." And then he goes from that place and he starts his ministry, his journey. He calls these twelve disciples to come along with him. They do. Three years later, he would find himself upon the cross. He would be crucified, and three days later, after laying in the grave, would be raised again. And he would offer hope to the world. And here we are moving into the Pentecost season, into a season where the birth of the church is supposed to happen according to the Christian calendar. That's where we are today. And look, if you go and share that, there's so many challenges to that belief today. People are going to say, you mean to tell me there is a man that laid in a grave dead for three days and got up and walked out? That a stone was rolled up to that grave that was too big for any man to move by himself and that a man who was hanging from a cross actually had the strength to move that? That doesn't make sense. You mean to tell me that the heavens shook, the earth shook, the ground split open when this man hung on that cross and that there were other people that were raised from the power of the resurrection that very day? That doesn't make sense. They're going to tell you that why do you believe in a canonized scripture? They're going to ask you, why do you believe in a canonized scripture that was basically put together by man and now you call it the very word of God? You see, Jesus knew what he was saying when he told his disciples, here's the work that you believe in the one whom he has sent. And church, the deepest part of our belief is right here in the deepest part of us. It's in our heart. 
Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man believes in his heart, so he is. As a man believes, because we do what we believe. If we believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus says, those who love me will do what? Will do what I say. And so as we love him deep in our heart, then we do the things of Christ that he's commanded and he's called us to do, to go into the world and make disciples. But we've got to protect that. It's being challenged at every corner today. So we know from Romans 12, well, actually from all of Romans, that the mind also influences us, right? The heart is an influencer of what we do. No doubt that as a man believes in his heart, so he is. And so we do what we believe, but also the mind. The mind is a part of this. And and here, as the heart influences the mind, the mind also influences the heart. And both of these are reading and working off one another. So it makes sense that we would pay attention to what we put into our minds and that it is processed as it goes and is deeply embedded within our heart. Years ago, I was with my mother and we were going to her doctor's appointment. She was driving. I was reading to her an article that I discovered that morning and it was talking about the memory cells within the heart. There's been a lot of scientific study done on the cells within the heart and the memory that they contain. And now they're discovering that there is are as many memory cells in the heart as possibly there are the brain, possibly even more. And that these two are translating and helping to translate one another, the brain cells, as well as the heart cells, these memory cells, they have this track that they're running back and forth on. And I was reading her this article about all of this. And I said, mom, isn't that interesting that our heart would actually know something that would, it would actually have a memory of things that the heart can actually feel, it can remember, it can influence. My mom looked over at me and said, I don't need a scientist to tell me that. I don't need you to read this article to me because I already knew that. And I looked at mom and I said, mom, you didn't know that. You're not a scientist. You haven't read these studies, have you? And mom looked at me and she said, Curtis, I did too. I knew that because when I hurt for someone, I don't hurt in my head. I hurt in my heart because I love them, because I have a memory in my heart, and that's where my pain comes from. You know, that's so true today. The heart has such a memory, such a passion and compassion for Christ and His Word. It's our deepest connection. It's where I believe. It is the seat of my believed identity about myself. It's the real me. It is the seat of all my feelings, uh, being good or bad. It is the core of my understanding. It is the lens through which I understand the world around me. It is the guidance system for my life. It's where the Holy Spirit dwells and guides me back to my true north. It is the place where I meet with, where I converse with, where I hear the voice of God. So today I want to talk to you about guarding your heart because guarding our heart is so important in today's culture, especially for us Christians. Proverbs 4.23 in the NIV states it this way, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The New Living Translation says it this way, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. The New American Standard says it this way, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Now the word issues, that's a pretty correct translation. It really means boundaries. Now, if you think about this, you have to guard your heart for out of it flows life. And if life flows through that, it means that your boundaries, 
your borders uh, come from your, from your heart. Your moral concept, your moral integrity should be bound up way deep in your heart and it should guide you. It should help set up these boundaries. The, the morality, the integrity that we are to have as Christians. You know, the theological word book of the Old Testament says it could speak of a slave being set free. So here's the idea. The boundaries or limitations in your life are not a product of anything outside of you, but they are the product of what's inside of your heart. So how you establish your heart today will be the anchor for your tomorrows. Let me say that again. How and who you establish your heart in today will be the anchor for your tomorrows. You see, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So one of the ways we can take an evaluation of our heart is what is our mouth saying about the COVID-19, about fear, about worries, about providence? Who is your providence? Right? Sometimes we need to have a heart check. So who I believe myself to be is key to the quality of life that I'll have. Right? It, it, when I understand that Jesus is in my heart and that I'm never alone, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Then it becomes quality in my life to the degree of fullness or emptiness, peace or chaos, life or death we're experiencing. It is the byproduct of what is in our heart. So do you have peace today or do you have chaos? Well, let me ask you, who is the ruler of your deepest inner being self known as the heart? My big idea today, like I said, is my heart is my responsibility and I must guard it. What happens to your heart when you're born again? In Ezekiel, we see the prophet Ezekiel doing some things here. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside of you. I'll remove from your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh, meaning a heart that God can work with, that he can interact with, that knows him, that is pliable. So here's what happens at the new birth. When you receive Jesus, you remember that day. I hope if you haven't had that day, I hope you experience it this day. Today is the day of salvation is what the scripture says. But that day when we were so excited, I say this a lot. I received Jesus at camp when I was a, a young man. Now, there's no doubt that there have been seasons in my life where I walked away from what I knew was truth, where my heart really became somewhat hardened because I let too much of the wrong stuff in instead of the right stuff in. But I think of that day when I had my own salvation, when I was so excited. Oh, I was full of joy, full of laughter. I even hugged my sister. She probably doesn't believe that, but I did on that day. I remember. I was like, man, I even love you. That's a heart transplant, right? That's, that's a heart that's pliable that God can work with. And many of you remember that day in your life. The Bible teaches there are at least two initial factors that change our heart. Two initial factors that change our heart. Here they are. Number one, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, as it's applied to our heart, it purges our conscience and our consciousness and it cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus, there's no doubt, there's no replacement for the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. That purges our heart as we believe in that, our heart receives that, and it purges out the bad and enters in the good because God is good. And you want to be full of His goodness, then let your heart be, be full of Jesus, be full and be rinsed out by His blood, be cleansed, be made new. The second one is this, the very Word of God becomes written on our heart. 
And church, this is very important because that means that now we have in some ways a new intellect and it doesn't come from our mind. The new intellect actually comes from our heart. And our heart begins to have memory of God's word and God's word is written upon our heart. So those two things, the blood of Jesus cleanses us and the word of God continues to cleanse us throughout our lives. So as we open his word, as we study his word, as we memorize his word, as we walk our lives out in this world, then what happens is, is that God becomes our truth. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter if we're at the highest peak on the highest mountain celebrating or in the lowest valley, God rules our heart and there is peace and there is connection and his word rings true in our lives. See, the word of God, as it's written on our heart, by this we intuitively know what we should or shouldn't do. We're led according to his spirit. We're led by his word speaking to us. Of course, the word of God comes to us in three ways, through the graphy, through the written, through the rhema, which is the spoken, or through the logos, which is the living word of God. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The word mind here in this passage is not the word for intellectual mind. A lot of people will see it as that. But that's not what the author of Hebrews is saying here. That's not, that's really not what he uses here. That word actually means deep thoughts. The deepest part of you, it's beyond our intellect and it enters into a deeper part known as our heart. The language used seems to point to the very thoughts of our heart. God's word was not written in our conscious intellectual mind. I mean, we do this. As you read, there's no doubt it takes intellect. And, and as that intellect is written on our minds, it, it, it's absorbed into our hearts. But I want you to know that, that sometimes the intellectual mind just can't comprehend the depth of God. There's no doubt it can't. And even our hearts will never gain, right? The, the full, the fullness of God here on this earth, but it will deeply be connected and impacted for sure. God's word was not written in our conscious intellectual mind. Uh, that's our responsibility is to read the word of God and let him write that upon our intellectual minds. But the deeper part will definitely be absorbed in our hearts. Some people might think that because God gave us a new or renewed heart that we no longer have to do anything about it. We no longer have to have to worry about it. We no, no longer can benefit from anything else because he's given us a heart transplant, if you will. Well, that's not true either because what we're given, we have to be responsible with. So once again, we must guard it. The New Testament makes statements about managing the heart, correcting the condition of the heart, establishing the heart. It's apparent that the renewed heart God gave us can still be negatively influenced. Therefore, we must guard our hearts. And my heart is my responsibility. What do I need to do to, to, to guard my heart? Or what do I need to guard my heart from? I mean, if you've been given a heart transplant, what do you mean? I mean, we, we have, uh, we've had people here in the church that have had heart transplants. And of course, 
One of them's in our life group. And, and with the COVID-19, we have to be very thoughtful about that. We've talked about when our life groups start meeting again in one another's homes and, and how we're going to uh, uh, have them attend, possibly still through Zoom meetings. Why? Because we have to protect them. He's got a new heart, but he has a responsibility with that heart. And as we as Christians have this new heart, we also have this responsibility. We've got to guard it. The bottom line, anything that opposes your new identity in Christ, we have to guard it from that. Adam was supposed to guard the garden, right? And our heart is in some ways the garden. Practically speaking, we could say there are things that we allow to come into our heart that harden our heart from the voice of God, that harden us from the voice of God. It may not be possible to erase God's word that has been written on our heart, but we can certainly harden our heart in a way where God no longer benefits us. What a terrible place to be. Many who had a phenomenal experience in the beginning, unfortunately, did not sustain that level of certainty, that level of confidence, that level of peace, that level of joy. We've seen pastors walk away from it. What happened? Why did they do this? Well, there are a number of reasons people lose the joy of the new birth. They all relate to the heart, though. Every experience relates to the heart. Some are mentioned in the parable of the sower, which we covered last week. There was some that fell out on the path that just never took root. There were those who uh, fell out on the rocky soil, right? The seed that fell on the rocky soil. It took root, but then it dried up quickly. They, they, they didn't feed it. They didn't fertilize it. They didn't water it. And then the tares, the, the cares of the world, it was sown among the tares. And the cares of the world, it dissipated the word from them. And finally, the good soil that produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. There are so many things in this world. If we're not careful, it will be sown into our heart. It will wind up in a place it was never supposed to be. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin hardens the heart. Anything that causes us to miss, miss the mark of the prize, whether in our thoughts, our beliefs, our words, our actions, it has a residual effect, unexpected, unforeseen, but it does affect us. It hardens our heart. This is the one place where believers who had their heart renewed at the rebirth are warned about their own ability to damage that which God has restored. We have an ability to damage that which God restored. Remember King David, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. What's he saying? Well, he's saying, I've got to be steadfast. I've got to protect this new heart, this renewed heart. And there are so many things that are out there that look to callous our hearts. You know, hardness refers to that very thing. It refers to callousness, stubbornness, and insensitivity. Have you ever known someone who was so stubborn they'll never hear you? They'll never listen to you. They're just stubborn. They're not going to listen to anyone. They've got it all figured out. There's no humility in that. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? He wants our hearts to remain pliable, and he wants us to sow his word, his good seed in our hearts so it'll produce fruit. But I, I, I think back, I haven't been playing the guitar in a couple of years now. But when I played the guitar, I never had a problem with picking up and playing it. Didn't even feel the end of my fingers because they were calloused. Now today, if I were to pick up 
the guitar, there's no doubt that I don't have calluses on the end of my fingers. And I could only play for a certain amount of time before I began to realize this hurts. It hurts. See, this is the deceitfulness process of sin. It creates an inability to feel, to sense, or perceive God as he leads us. A callus has formed a covering over the heart that makes it impossible to feel, to perceive, or understand what God is saying, or much less what he's wanting to do with us. And then when we're at that place, we are no longer in touch with the voice of God who's in our heart. Paul explains in Ephesians chapter 4 that once we were past, we are past feeling, meaning that we are calloused, we give ourselves over to lewdness and work all uncleanness with greediness. We become, in other words, a self-absorbed people. We're no longer givers, but we're what? We're takers. We no longer try to see people through the lens of Christ, but we want people to see us prideful. We're, we, we see ourselves as, as basically the center of the universe instead of God as the center of the universe. And, and none of us are immune to this. We can sow things. We listen to music that, that makes us feel good, that makes us feel like we're, we're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Some of us uh, listen to music with terrible language and those types of things are sewn down into our heart. Our mind is interpreting them. And if we're not careful, they'll callous our heart where we can't hear the word of God. The phones that we have today. If you're not careful, you can flip on the wrong thing, or maybe to you it's the right thing, or maybe you say, you know what, I've got an excuse for this. I'm going to look at this. That's how God made us, and it's not okay. Those things callous our hearts. We always talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but the very phones that we have, sometimes we're on them so much, we're looking at them so much, we're, we're text messaging, we're we're emailing, we're, I thought it would be a great, great thing when I used to always say, I wish I could get email on my phone. Yeah, because sometimes I miss emails, you know, or I have to go up to the office back in those days. And now we've got everything on our phones. But if we're not careful, we'll listen to them more than we'll listen to the Spirit of God within our heart. Our heart will become calloused. Any believer who is able to live in a constantly compromised life has some degree of hardness. Let me say that again. Any believer who can live a compromised life has some type of callous over their hearts. And when I say a compromised life, I mean they look for excuses of why they do what they do. And sometimes that's me. I'm not above anyone. We've got to pay attention to this very thing in our lives because that's not where God wants us. He doesn't want our hearts to become hardened. He wants our hearts to be pliable where he can, he can form them and make them what he wants them to be. See, when we're in darkness, our understanding is darkened. It's now easier to justify our unacceptable or destructive behavior. If the fruit of your life is not good, then you have a heart issue. And thankfully, there's a solution. And here's the solution. Paul explains how to get out of this drunken state and come alive to the righteousness that is in us through Jesus Christ. No matter the problem, we must put off the old man, which is a deliberate choice, and renew our mind and our new identity. Put on the new man and protect him. Protect him. Make a choice to take hold of our new identity in Christ. The wisdom of God says to guard your heart 
above all else. The management or stewardship of our heart is the determining factor for all future growth and development. This cannot be overstated. In Ephesians chapter 6, many of you will be familiar with this passage. But the Apostle Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. He doesn't say take up just a little bit. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand that evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. In other words, be immovable. Be be unshakable. Just stand and stand firm in the word of God. Protect your heart. Protect the word of God that's written in it. Because even sometimes the church will challenge it. Sometimes other believers will challenge. And we're not to be shaken. He goes on to say this. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. One of the first thing Paul tells us to do is to put on a breastplate. It is a piece of armor that guards what? It guards the heart. Our breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness, meaning as we come into Christ, it is as it should be between myself and God. And we've got to protect that belief in our heart. The moment we depart from faith righteousness, we depart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we depart from the gospel, we are limited in our own strength and to our own strength. My heart must always be guarded in the truth that no matter what, my righteousness comes through faith in what Jesus has accomplished. And so when I'm feeling strong, that can callous my heart. I need to humble myself. And Lord, I am not strong, but in my weakness, you are. So show me your strength. Jesus is my source of righteousness. My heart must always be guarded in that one truth. And Christ wants to dwell in our heart. When Wade was a child, I was, I remember being by the edge of the stream and I cut the heart out of a fish and I was holding it and I said, wait, look at that. That's the heart, you know, the right atrium, the tricuspid valve, the right ventricle, you know, all that stuff. And Wade said, dad, where's Jesus? See, Jesus is our source of righteousness and we got to protect Jesus in our heart. We got to protect our belief. We got to protect the word of God in our heart because there are so many things that are looking to callous it. Oh, you can have a little. Uh, Moderation is the way we're supposed to live our life. Not too much of anything, but you can never have too much of Jesus, church. My heart must always be guarded in his truth. This may be a good time for personal examination without condemnation. Are there areas of compromise that have gone on in your life that you no longer feel remorse or regret when you participate in them? Then you might be getting a little bit calloused in some areas. Acknowledge this behavior. It's not from God and it's not consistent with who you are in Christ Jesus. Acknowledge that you have God's forgiveness and choose to put on the new man in Jesus Christ. Guard your heart. God, guard the truth of God's word in your heart. Church, I'm going to ask you if you would uh, today to join me in prayer. Uh, Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that you have placed within us our deepest inner man, Father, a heart. And I pray that our heart is pliable, that it's vulnerable simply to you and your word. Father, that as we worship in spirit and in truth that God you would it would be open and you would be able to ride on it and Lord that we would live life according to your word according to our true north your spirit within our heart that we would hear your voice plainly each day of our lives father forgive us Lord for allowing our hearts to be calloused with the things of this world 
allowing the riches and the, and, and the very tares that are sown among us to drift us away to a place of being calloused. Forgive us, Lord. And Father, may we rise up and be the men and women of God that you've called us to be, kingdom-minded with kingdom purpose, with hearts, Father, that are protected in your truth and for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, it's been great to be with you today.